I'm sitting all Yeah. What it is is what it is. Hit tonight. Hit just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't. What it is. What it is. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 216 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? You two bums. You dossers. <laughs> Hashtag boom city. <laughs> uh, I can't help it, dude. Listening to fucking Tyson Fury talk shit. I, I don't know what it is. Some of it ain't even that good, but it just... His delivery cracks me up, man. Yeah, just like the two guys that do this show on a part-time basis. <laughs> right. You know? We are a couple of dosses. Yeah. Yeah, it's gotten pretty bad around here. People are like, oh, we can't even really take these guys serious. We hear, you know, everybody's putting out there their top boxing podcasts that they listen to, uh, podcasts in general. Oh, we're never mentioned anymore. They're like, no, this guy's fucking retired. That, that part-time shit? Yeah, that was five years. They they said it was five years. It was more like five minutes of fleeting nonsense. Crash and burn, Mav. Crash and burn. <laughs> yeah, well, we're about to fucking take off once again because uh, we're back for episode 216, and this is a loaded show. We've been gone um, for quite a while, and a lot has happened since the end of the third quarter of boxing. Um, in the wake of Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin part two. Indeed. And we're kind of in between and in the buildup, the lead up, a lot of things are moving and shaking and boxing that are taking us towards what should be a fantastic October, November, and December to close out 2018. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play, and be sure to subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings eighty one and at Kenny Keith Jr. All right, Ben, let's kick this thing off with a post fight from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, September twenty eighth, two thousand eighteen, on the Zone. George Groves squared off against Callum Smith for the ring and WBA Super Middleweight Championship, and for the Muhammad Ali Trophy to be crowned the champion of the World Boxing Super Series at the super middleweight division. Um, Look, Vin, this fight got postponed, George Groves versus Callum Smith, because Groves sustained an injury in his last fight. Um, There was a lot of drama leading up. We didn't even know if this fight was going to happen. We didn't know if there was going to be a substitute, and Chris Eubank Jr. was going to step in for George Groves in this. And I think the immediate backlash, and if there is a positive with, uh, you know, um, you know, the five minute news cycle that we're on nowadays, right. you know, in social media was that it immediately got frowned upon any any idea or inclination of Chris Eubank Jr. being a replacement for this championship fight. So they let George Groves recover um, so he could square off with Callum Smith. This is a huge domestic fight in the UK. This is probably a pay-per-view fight in the UK. They could fill, I don't know if they could fill Wembley, but they could fill some kind of stadium over there. And this would have been absolutely huge because of who George Groves is, um, you know, the windy road that he's traveled, the big fights that he's been in on the big stage, Callum Smith, the unproven prospect, once on our uh, top prospect countdown, uh, you know, for the future. And and, um, might I say another champion crown, (laughs) but we'll get to that in a second. You know, I just thought that this thing, it made perfect sense to put it in the UK. But guess what? At that point in time, if my memory serves me correctly, 
the DAZN deal wasn't quite operational. No, and I mean, let's let's just say this right now. How about we never have a fight in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia again? <laughs> that was a nice pit stop. Thing. You know, I hope they enjoyed the, the little bit of boxing they got. But you talk about just a completely dead environment in the arena. I mean, you're talking about, you know, I just don't imagine uh, boxing being a big thing in Saudi Arabia. If you publicly get excited, you will be stoned <laughs> right? in front of the masses. They can't even fucking drink there. You know, I, it's, it's ridiculous. And the fact that the U.K. didn't put up the money somewhere in the U.K. didn't put up the money for this fight, uh, to me, is a, you know, was a bit shocking. But all that being said, uh, as far as the fight itself, yeah, great fight. I mean, we saw Calum Smith, at least in my eyes, grow up like for the first time as as a fighter he had to have that moment in the ring where he had to become a fucking man like there, we talk about a guy that was just babied on his way up the entire way i mean as, as close as two years ago batting sixth on a fucking paper yeah, yeah i mean you, you gotta you gotta get the stream early to catch callum smith in a fucking eight rounder you know against a complete no name so you know he's he's bided his time and when the time came and, and and the big lights were on. Guess what? My man showed out. Oh, he showed out big time, and uh, I was super impressed. Now you know that division is wide open. We got four champions, so you know let's uh, let's throw down and see what happens. You got some some very enticing fights at one sixty eight, and, and for George Groves, you know this might be the end of the road for him. You sure, I, it, it, you know you never throw you don't ever want to throw around the word quit because i don't think george groves quit at all but he took that body shot and he said you know what i think he just said to himself enough punishment could he have probably stood up and maybe survived and fought another half round or or maybe fought his way out of it and and, and made it to the end of the fight absolutely but you got to give george groves credit because in the long term that guy's fucking delivered uh, you know in every big fight he's been in it's been huge atmospheres the two fights with carl frotch Every fight that he's been in, big fight, has, has, has been very entertaining. And he's always a guy that, yeah, maybe he gasses out. But when he gets in trouble, George Groves doesn't fucking hang on. He's like, yeah, fuck it. You know, I'm going to wing some shots, see if I can't catch you. You might clip me. I don't give a fuck. I've been knocked out before. The, the guy's just been that type of fighter in his career. And, uh, you know, if he hung him up now, I, I would say he had not, he's got nothing to be ashamed of as a fighter. I agree, but the reality of the situation is is that there's plenty of money to be made against any of the Chudnoffs and Frank Buglioni, let's be honest. <laughs> well, I think there's still, you know, as much as him and DeGale have kind of, the, the shine is worn off of both of them, I still think that's a, that's a, a somewhat big fight. You get them guys both back on yeah, the right track. We saw DeGale. I uh, he was on an undercard last week or two weeks ago. Was he? Yeah, he got a, got his little comeback <laughs> we win. We saw him? No, we didn't see him. <laughs> he fought. <laughs> so they say. You're right. Um, so, you know, that that you build that fight up a little bit. It's coming, but, you know, it's still got some juice behind it, and those guys could get one big payday on their way out the door. I wouldn't begrudge either one of them, and I wouldn't mind seeing the fight, to no. be honest. No, it'd be a nice little uh, daz and delight. Hopefully it happens within the next 30 days. Right. Before <laughs> <laughs> I have to start paying the nine ninety nine oh, a month. I, trust me, I got an alarm set for October 20th. Is it October 20th? Yeah, October You're, 20th. You ain't unsubscribing. HBO's gone. You ain't going to be able to watch boxing anywhere. Ah, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to figure it out, Ken. I'm not paying nine ninety nine a month. All right. Well, we'll get to HBO and uh, you know the new generation of boxing uh, consumption. 
Uh, we got some fight preview, then. Yeah. Uh, the World Boxing Super Series kicks off two divisions, the Super Bantamweight Tournament and the Junior Welterweight Tournament um, in the 118-pound class on October 7th on DAZN from Yokohama, Japan. Niowa Inoue, the monster, squares off against Juan Carlos Payano uh, for the WBA regular Super <laughs> Bantamweight title. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Look, Payano... Good luck to you in the future after you get pummeled within four rounds. Look, <laughs> that's most likely what's going to happen because this, you know, this 118-pound tournament seems like just a way to kind of anoint and, and announce in a way to the world. as And a, sign in a way to a long-term Dazen deal. <laughs> right, exactly. I, you know, you don't want to take anything away from Piano. He, he's he's going to take a beating, though. Yeah. Piano's a good fighter. He is. We've seen him fight multiple times. Dude, he's only I think he's only got one loss. Yeah, he's got one loss to I mean, Rasheed Warren. And oh. he's beaten Rasheed Warren. So, you know, he's he's been in there with decent fighters. He knows his way around a ring. It's probably not going to be as easy as, as it has been. Yeah. For for in a way, but uh, yeah, I mean the outcome's gonna be the same. You may not recognize Juan Carlos Piano on the uh the high def broadcast from the zone because you've been watching him fight Rishi Warren on the PBC on bounce <laughs> <laughs> on the low def. You've been screen. watching the brown sugar. That shit ain't even widescreen brown sugar. <laughs> oh shit. Um, also on the card, I like what they're doing here. Um, you know, in putting both weight classes on the same platform. We got the kickoff of the 140 pound tournament in the World Boxing Super Series. Carol Relic squares off against Edward Troyanovsky. Here's what I have to say about this. I think Relic is limited. I think Relic is solid. I think Relic, Relic is strong, okay? Mm -hmm. he's, he's pretty stereotypical, you know, of where he comes from. Here's what I know about Edward Troyanovsky. He is the ultimate imposter. He is a poser. He is arguably outside of I walk to earth like a god, Charles Martin. <laughs> Edward Troyanovsky is the worst champion in the last 10 years of boxing Besides Charles Martin. Well, he gave us the, uh, I guess you could call it the the storm that was Julius Ndongo that took over boxing for about six months. And he provided everybody an Ndongo boner. <laughs> right. It was. I, I remember watching that fight, and Ndongo pieces him up, gets him out early, and everybody just, I can't wait for Ndongo Crawford. I'm thinking to myself, that fucking guy stands absolutely zero chance against Crawford. He's a a mess in the ring. Nobody wanted to recognize how bad Troyanovsky is. No. He is not good. No, I will always say all credit due to fucking Terrence Crawford for, for unifying the 140-pound division and all the belts, but let's not act like that wasn't the weakest <laughs> unification of any division ever in the history of boxing. Hindsight's 50-50. Hey, man. Um, all right, so also in action this weekend on October 6th on DAZN, um, it is an Eddie Hearn DAZN weekend. We are getting our money's worth of that free preview. <laughs> That's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Chicago, Illinois, it's Jesse Vargas versus Tomas DeLorme. Look, eh. That's the Dazen, uh, the grand stage announcement to, for Dazen USA, huh? Yeah, it, this is pretty bad. I mean, DeLorme's got a glass chin at 140 pounds. Uh, Jesse Vargas, okay, look, I know you probably need an opponent like Tomas DeLorme outside of the realms of Las Vegas to get a decision, um, but this is pretty bad. And, look, the co-feature, I don't really want to talk about that because Vargas is going to beat DeLorme. Um, the co-feature of the IBF light heavyweight title is on the line. It's the return of Artur Baturbiev. At this point, he's like 49 years old. 
He's been injured. He's been on the fucking DL for the last decade. He's fought three times in like the last 32 months or some shit like that. Yeah. And look, the fact that he's been gone so long, the casuals have no idea who he is. No. They have no idea. So they think that Callum Johnson is stepping in the ring against a guy that literally, oh, nobody's ever heard of this guy. He's he's an absolute bum. I have seen a group of people talking like that. (laughs) Like, hold up, man. This guy might have been out of the ring for, uh, you know, or barely in the ring for the last three years. Uh, Everything that I've seen, I I guess his last fight was a bit boring and tedious for whatever reason he decided to box. But this guy's a fucking, he's a, he's a fucking wrecking ball in the ring. And I, you know, I, I can't see anything other than him coming in here and destroying Callum Johnson. Yeah, that's why he's on the platform. Yeah. All right, Ben, let's get to the news and notes. Um, October 20th on the zone from Boston, Massachusetts. It's Billy Joe Saunders versus Demetrius Andrade. Um, an appetizing middleweight delight that a lot of people are looking forward to. Well, guess what? The WBO middleweight champion has tested positive for a stimulant that is apparently a hundred times stronger than clenbuterol. <laughs> Victor Conti says, <laughs> oh, I, you know what I find hilarious? And look, I, I'm sure Victor Conti's straight now. And he, you know, he had his, he, he did his time and he had his little stint and he got called. I just find it hilarious that like, we just kind of act like this guy is the word of, of the Lord when it comes to all this stuff. And it's like, look, man, I don't, you know, I don't know if I can, tr- can we trust this guy as far as we can throw him? I mean, he operates a gym. He has his own supplements. I mean, a lot of fighters that work with, like, he's on the cutting edge of everything. I don't think he's not, you got to be a little naive to not think he's, like, pushing the limits with, with the shit that he does. He's just into fiber one bars, Vin. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's why Demetrius Andre looks like a fucking light heavyweight now. <laughs> oh, man, that's what happens when you're inactive. Yeah. That's, you what, know? that's what happens when you have to snack, Jim. Baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what do you think about this positive test from Saunders? I mean, look, dude, thinking back on, like, pictures that you saw of, of Saunders from two years ago. Okay, against Chris Eubank. Before his transformation. He right? was very pudgy against Eubank. There's a picture of him floating around out there running up a fucking hill somewhere in the U.K. with his shirt off. That motherfucker looks like me on a bad day. Ooh. I mean, he probably too, he was... He was over 200 pounds. So he looks like me shirtless. <laughs> Damn close. Yes. <laughs> I mean, to go from this this completely, like, he was always a guy that, that had talent, and you saw it in the ring. Of course. But to go from a guy that was, like, clearly somebody who's wasting his talent and an unmotivated, you know, just not really into it fighter to all of a sudden showing up, going to the uh, famed Ingle gym of, you know, Big Dom Ingle, a 55-year-old or whatever he is, 58-year-old freak of a man. I mean, just the dude is fucking jacked upon jacked upon jacked huge, okay? He 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 makes his way to this gym where people have been busted before. Kel Brook works out there. We've seen how how he looks, okay? They they're they're on the same, they're they're like the UK version of the snack gym over there. <laughs> All right? They're snacking on the UK version. So of you're the, saying it's an even fight. They're on the cutting edge, okay? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's just, it's not shocking to me at all. I mean, you, you look back at the Lemieux fight and you go, yeah, I mean, Saunders had a fucking hell of a gas tank. Like, it's not like he, you know, sat there. He was on the move. Never, ever, ever have we seen Billy Joe Saunders fight 12 rounds and not get absolutely gassed. 
as soon as he makes his way to this gym, that starts to happen, or it starts to happen the other way where, oh, wow, look at Billy Joe Saunders. He's fucking ripped. I mean, absolutely ripped in training camp, and he's showing up at fights in great shape and fighting 12 hard rounds. Um, Yeah. If you're asking me if there were some red flags and this kind of confirmed what was, uh, you know, already somewhat a belief by a lot of people, uh, yeah, this that's exactly what this was. And, you know, in the U.K., they, they're, you know, it's only fucking banned on fight night, Ken. You, you, can, you can use it during camp, but you can't use it on the night of the fight. Oh. Well, if it helps you on the night of the fight, then I'm sorry, but it helps you prepare to get to the night of the fight before that. So what's the fucking difference? And the, the, the law of the land states that, look, man, you have, you hold the responsibility for what you put in your body, uh, according to VADA and according to VADA testing, this is illegal period. And he should be suspended. Will he be you know, it's, you don't know. They've already announced a replacement fighter. I can't even remember the fucking guy's name. Never heard of him. 17 and 0, 16 knockouts. I've never heard of the guy. Okay. So it looks like this fight is going to be called off because, yeah, this motherfucker was cheating. And he, pro- he probably has been for two years now. No offense to, you know, the UK or their steroid, you know, PED commission or, you know, the British Board of Boxing. The UCAD. Yeah, whatever. Okay, like no offense to that, but this fight's not in the UK. So what what you permit Anthony Joshua to do before every single fight that he can get away with to, you know, hey, Wembley, new <laughs> different rules in Wembley. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. This fight's in Boston, Massachusetts. So the, the only way that this fight definitely gets canceled is if the boxing commission in Massachusetts decides to cancel it. This has nothing to do with the UCAD. Yeah. UCAD has no jurisdiction over this fight. Right. So don't sit here and try to act like, you know, oh, oh, that is um, the end-all, be-all. You know what, Massachusetts, you should know better. You used to be a colony. <laughs> right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Look, I don't want it to be canceled. If Demetrius Andre just came out and said, "All right," he doesn't care. But if dude, if Boo Boo was like, "I know he doesn't care," but if he, but it'd be funny if he said this. If he was like, "All right, all right, all right," Victor been pumping me full of juice too, you know? <laughs> right. Then we got to fight. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm all for it. If we're if we're gonna put all you know everything out on the table, and we're gonna let guys take steroids, fucking have at it. Uh, you know, if that's what it's gonna be. Yeah. But it's got to be fair on both fucking sides. You can't have one guy coming in pumped full of shit and another guy get fucked up. I don't know, man. I saw fucking Hoist Gracie beat up some pretty big motherfuckers in the UFC back in the in the 1920s. Yeah, that guy might be undefeated <laughs> against steroids. He's like, yeah, these fucking big fucking lugs, you give them like five minutes and they're gassed, yeah. and then I just then I just put them on the ground and beat them to death. <laughs> oh, man, let's let's keep it in the gypsy realm. As we talk about Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, December 1st, Showtime pay-per-view from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. Then the press tour has just wrapped up. They visited, what, three cities? It was mm-hmm. London, New York, and Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, we got two guys that are around between 6'7 and 6'8-ish, you mm-hmm. know, a couple inches shorter than me, um, are going to be squaring yeah. off for the WBC heavyweight title and the lineal heavyweight title of the world. This oh, no, you didn't. Two giants, man. Two giants. Yeah, I, this is I, – I, I'm sure there's been heavyweights this big and they've squared off at some point in boxing history, but not in my lifetime. King Kong versus Godzilla? <laughs> right. Not in my lifetime. I mean, these guys are fucking giants. But I will say this. 
about this press tour. All right, I give I'll say off the top, I give both of them credit for for going on this tour and putting themselves out there, doing what other fighters really don't do, trying to sell the fight as best they can. But I gotta say, this motherfucker is, was uh, Mayweather McGregor press tour light. I mean, it was I don't even say light. It was a it was a cheap, uh, worn out, ragged version of that. These guys just couldn't. Stick to the script. Yeah, the shit talking seemed forced. The interactions seemed forced, which, you know, I, people who, who complain about it off, you know, they, they go off about it. It's like, look, I get it. All right. Yeah. Clearly, it's not real. The beef isn't real here, people. But give the guys credit. Like, they're, they're either complaining about somebody not promoting a fight uh, or they're complaining about fighters over promoting a fight. It's like, look, just let them. Let them do it. They're trying to draw casual attention. They don't give a fuck what us assholes think anyway. No. We're in the bag. <laughs> We're going to be there yes. on, on December 1st, Saturday night at fucking 12 o'clock. We'll be tuned in no matter what. But this is to attract, you know, the the, the commoner, the common sports fan, to come in and, and buy the this peasants, pay- Vin, The peasants, <laughs> To buy this pay-per-view. So, you know, I, I got nothing against it. it. It's not as entertaining as I thought it would be. But, you know, I'll take Tyson Fury on the mic pretty much any day of the week. You, I, you know, give me a give me a little 30-second speech every day, Tyson. You ought to wake up and, you know, that you ought to have a, an account where you just Tyson Fury wakes up and hey, tells the world. You clearly don't follow him on Instagram, do you? No, I don't. I'm sure he does. Because <laughs> that's what he does. He does send out a lot of videos of him laying down. Yeah, he's chilling, man. <laughs> Mac is relaxing. Right. Um, look, I'm looking forward to this fight, even though, you know, something tells me that it's going to be kind of a stinker. I don't know if Deontay Wilder is going to be able to stop Tyson Fury or not. All I know is Tyson Fury is going to try to do everything he can not to get knocked out by Deontay Wilder. Um, and being that that is his style in general, um, you know, it, it, it could very well turn out to be Mayweather versus Pacquiao number one esque. You know what I mean? Oh, I think, look, I'm looking forward to the fight. But there's not a, a a bone in my body that doesn't think this is going to be. I mean, this fight's going to fucking stink. Yeah, it's going to stink. Well, we'll enjoy it until fight night, <laughs> and then we'll regret spending the money on it on fight night. Right, exactly. Um, let's keep it in the heavyweight division. The IBF, uh, WBA, and WBO heavyweight champion, the unified champ Anthony Joshua, squared off against Alexander Povetkin a couple weeks back um, on the zone from Wembley Stadium in London, England. We hadn't had a chance to talk about this. It pretty much went the way that we previewed it, the way we talked about it mm-hmm. um, in social media, that Anthony Joshua was just too big and Alexander Povetkin just too small and too old. Um, and, you know, and it was it was kind of how it, it kind of went to script. I remember after the fight, you telling me, you know, I, you said, I'm paraphrasing, that Anthony Joshua is becoming, you know, a well-rounded fighter mm-hmm. who's also exciting, right? Yeah. And I agree with that. Look, my only thing about Anthony Joshua is I feel like since the Klitschko fight, he fights a little bit more conservatively. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he utilizes the fact that he's young and athletic at this size because when you're old at this size, you're not athletic anymore. You know, I don't care how many, um, you know, stimulants you're allowed to take by UCAD before the night of the fight, right? Right. Um, But at some point, he's not going to be able to utilize that advantage. This is where his power is going to come into play. I thought he short-armed some punches when he was closing there with Alexander Povetkin. I thought it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, destiny that Povetkin was going to get knocked out in this thing. I just feel like Anthony Joshua was a little hesitant before he closed the door on Povetkin. 
I feel like he could have put the 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 pedal all the way to the floor immediately and been yeah. done with him. I think I think like we've heard a lot of people say that that Anthony Joshua is is no more. There's there's too much money on the table for him to take risk like that when he's when he can just he he can basically his jabs become so good and it's not great but it's become good enough to where he pu- he pumps that jab in your face, dude. He beats you up with that thing for four or five rounds. That shit ain't no fucking. That ain't no baby jab. No, that that, that thing is strong. So, you know, I I respect what he's been able to do as far as mold himself into a boxer when he was very raw early and and didn't possess any of the skill that he has now. And McCracken deserves a lot of credit for that. I think he's doing some really fucking good work with him. And you're exactly right. I mean, the the guy's going to play it safe no matter what. I, I just don't think they're... The, the way that his his career path right now, which clearly we're seeing, the Deontay Wilder, look, I think people need to come to the realization right now. The Deontay Wilder fight may not even be in the in the cards for 2019. I'm going to tell you why. Because he's going to fight Dillian White next in April at Wembley in a rematch. That's locked up. Yeah. Then he's going, I'm telling you right now, he's uh, he's going to come to America after that and fight Jarrell Miller. There's your two fights He's not fighting three times. It ain't shit ain't happening. So he'll fight in April. He'll fight in September, October in that time frame. And we'll be waiting till 2020 in April at Wembley Stadium or wherever else in the UK for for Wilder Joshua. I, 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 to me, everything leads that way. I, do, I see nothing like you have this offer come out. You know, now now Eddie Hearn and, and Barry Hearn have sent an offer. To Deontay Wilder and, mm. and demanding that he sign it now, you know, before whatever date, before the before, but this before the fight with Tyson Fury, he's got it. It's like, look, man, this is this is such bullshit. You're, they already have three fights signed that they have to fight still. I, you are. <laughs> it's gonna take a year and a half to get to it. I, it's 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 fucking ridiculous, man. And I'm I'm tired of it. I know what's gonna happen, so I'm gonna I'm gonna push that that nonsense aside because. We ain't getting it, kids. We ain't getting it till 2020. Don't hold your fucking breath. I think you're optimistic. I think that's optimistic. I think he knows that at some point, whether it's in, you know, Anthony Joshua I'm talking about, um, in the next two or three years, we've talked about this. It's a two-fight contract. We know that. They're going to fight twice. Right. Uh, But I think the reason why we're not going to see it until 2020 or 2021 um, is for the simple reason that Anthony Joshua knows that, Deontay Wilder's power is predicated on that right hand. And at some point that right hand is going to permanently fail for Deontay Wilder. I know I've been talking oh, about absolutely. this. I know I've been talking about this for two years. He'll fight Brazil next yeah. year and he'll yeah. fight once and he'll wait. Yeah. He's going to protect his hand. Yeah. You know, and maybe by the time he gets Deontay Wilder, he's like, okay, Deontay, you're 34. You know, I'm 30, right? Mm-hmm. I'll fight you now. Because you broke your hand two more times, so that's what five total. If you crack me with a good right hand, I know you're probably going to break your hand again, so you won't use it anymore. <laughs> Look, hear me out. Here's what I think that they may envision with this two fight deal, and, and, and this actually coming off is you do it in April, 2020, in Wembley Stadium, and then you do it again in November at the brand spanking new outdoor stadium in las vegas you know whether who wins or whatever the i'm sure the second fight is going to have a 
stipulation where this fight, that fight will be in America. At the Raiders stadium? Yeah, at the, at the Raiders' new outdoor Dude, stadium. Dude, that will be epic. And, and that could, you know, not to say that Canelo may or may not open that stadium with a huge fight of his own before that, because I, I, I'm pretty sure that stadium's open in May of 2020 or around that time, early summer. I mean, it's going to be ready for preseason for 2020 for the Raiders. So, you know, I, that's kind of how I envision them thinking this is the path that we can take to maximize dollars for both of these fighters. That is some long-term perspective right there. God, man. I'm a nerd. Why would I even think of that? I mean, you're thinking about we may like, not. God, even, that's just thoughts that go through my head during the day while I'm driving around. or well, We may not even be alive then. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm not counting on myself <laughs> making it that far. <laughs> it's two years away then. <laughs> Oh, man. <clears throat> um, yeah, so a lot of things going on, but at least we do get a heavyweight fight that means something Yeah. Um, in the meantime. Yes. And we'll see exactly where Tyson Fury's at. All right, let's uh, talk about a couple more fights, Vin. Uh, Mikey Garcia versus Richard Comey is official for the WBC and IBF lightweight title. Uh, Comey's a tough fighter, man, but he is so limited. Uh, Mikey Garcia is going to fucking work him. You know, whether or not he knocks him out, who knows? But it's going to be a one-sided fight for 12 rounds, in my opinion. I think it'll be entertaining for – it'll be a really entertaining scrap for three, four, five rounds, and then, then it'll be a destruction in the middle rounds and a stoppage late at some point. Mikey Garcia is just – he's too good. Too, too good. Comey is tough as hell. I mean, and took Easter, Robert Easter, to to the brink himself. Uh, you know, I, 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 he's, he's tough enough to stick around but he ain't tough enough to survive. Well, he's too aggressive to fight the the fight that Robert Easter fought yeah. against Mikey Garcia. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you're probably right. Um, this is different levels. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's it, the, the sad part is, is you, you look, you can't really – this is a mandatory fight he's, uh, Garcia's fighting, and it's not like Comey's this sack of shit fighter. No, he's not a bum at he's all. He's a prime solid fighter. Yeah. So it's not like – you can't criticize Garcia for this matchup, although – on the heels of calling out Errol Spence and this big two-class jump, it, it, you, when you heard this announcement, you went, oh, yeah, of course, yes, he's going to fight Richard Comey. A uh, fucking course. Well, that's because you didn't hear the, uh, the talk that was going on in the background behind the scenes at the PBC. Earl was like, hey, Mikey, <laughs> you got to beat Comey first to get, <laughs> to get through me, son. You know what I'm saying? You, you beat Comey, you can come see me. That's my Berto. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit all right let's get even more hilarious because you know i i agree with you completely even though it's a mismatch uh richard comey's not a bum but this just you know it it, it just brings you back and it, you know every once in a while even in the mirage and the fog um that the wbc and the wba will put you in sometimes with their manipulations and their lies and their bullshits and you know they put out all this you know positive PR constantly about how much they do for boxing, this and that, raising money for this, this and that, mandating these fights, mandating clean fighters, mandates, mandates, mandates. <laughs> every once in a while. They got, they got mandates, all right. For sure. Um, every once in a while, they sneak in an Anthony Durrell versus Avni Yildirim for a vacant title. Ken, they fucking ordered... Uh, Thurman Porter for the second year in a row. There's a Thurman Porter too. We're, we're throwing Keith. Anybody? Anybody here? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll save it for next. I year. will say what they what they mandate or what they it's look. 
It's nothing more than this, folks. It might as well be like these are the fights that were dropped in the WBC's suggestion box. We suggest you make these fights, guys, because, well, we think they might be pretty lucrative. And, along well, we with, can make a lot of money off of that. Along with an envelope with $250,000 stuffed in it, signed Al Heyman. <laughs> right. The best fight that they did uh, mandate was uh, Leo Santa Cruz, Gary Russell Jr., in my opinion, which if th- there's absolutely zero reason, whether that fight is fucking mandated or not, why that shouldn't have been made a year and a half ago. Gurry don't fight again. Gurry don't fight till 2019, Vin. Gurry don't cur about boxing. Gurry trying to bring it to MGM National Harbor where there's 2,500 seats and Santa Cruz like, what What are you talking about? Gurry like, what's an MGM Grand National Harbor? I ain't never seen that. That ain't near me. That ain't from my hood. That's down the street. Oh, Gurry. <laughs> Dude, give me Gurry. Versus Leo Santa Cruz. Oh, I fu- want to see that all day. Yeah, it's a great fucking fight. I mean, that that's to me, that's, you know, on paper, a fight of the year possibilities. Not till Gurry ready. Oh, he ready. Gurry ain't ready, Vin. <laughs> I'll let you know when Gurry ready. I'll let you know. He marinating. <laughs> all right, Vin. Um, as we get to the close of this show, one of the biggest boxing stories of the year fell um, in our hiatus over the last couple weeks. HBO Boxing has called it quits. After 45 years, they have been, um, you know, sort of the beacon of how boxing, you know, quality boxing, championship boxing, uh, some of the biggest matches over the last half century um, have been presented to you. This is the way that boxing has been consumed, and they have been uh, sort of that guiding light for how every other uh, platform that puts on boxing wants to achieve as far as quality of not only presentation, but quality of content. Oh, yeah. Look, they they were the fucking gold standard, I mean, period, for, for at least my, my boxing viewing lifetime. I mean, I, yeah, you know. When did you start watching boxing? I the, the first fights that I, the first fight that I have fond memories of watching, uh, the first boxing I ever remember was Rocky. So I always watch fucking Rocky movies as, a, you know, from the age of four to whatever. But the first fight I remember my dad taking me to was uh, with with his buddies was Leonard Hearns too in 1987. That's the first fight I have memories of watching. But after that, you know, all the Tyson fights going going to watch all that. So yeah, it wasn't HBO yet. HBO kind of just coming into the game back then. But they fucking took over. You know, they 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 became basically they carried the fucking sport i mean they carried the sport for a long time and showtime's always been there and showtime's always had big fights too but but hbo still always seemed like they were the fucking gold standard like they just for whatever reason they had a little their their production was more classy i don't know i don't know how you describe it it just seemed like it was a step above showtime even when they were battling throughout this battle that they've had over the last 35 years 40 years but here recently uh, the writing was on the wall for me <clears throat> with HBO. Once, like you saw, you notice everybody else going to streaming, like two years ago, and putting fights on their on their YouTube channel. HBO like refused to do anything because they they're, they're they're already done. They're like, look, we're gonna finish out our contracts with fighters. We're gonna you know whatever we have that we said we're committed to, we're finishing out and we're out. And we should have saw it coming two years ago easily. I mean, it should have been something that everybody recognized. And, you know, I, clearly people noticed the, the lack of programming. I mean, dude, when they first came out with 24-7, you remember how 24-7 was the sickest show. It centered around Mayweather and built them 
built HBO up to this, you know, uh, the biggest thing in boxing again. And, and Mayweather kind of took them there with it. But just the way they, the, the production and the buildup and everything, just, just unmatched. They made Manny Pacquiao a superstar. <laughs> A household name in North America. And here lately, uh, just it wasn't the same. It didn't have the same feel. And they've been surpassed by pretty much everybody. Everybody. Yeah. The streaming services have definitely taken, um, you know, the lead. And, I, look, I think everything was kind of, like, brought to the public and signaled, honestly. I think the big, the first big move is once you saw Bob Arum and Top Rank leave HBO, yeah. that they knew something was coming down the pipe. Once they left... They didn't have an entity. Look, Golden Boy is Canelo and not much else. No. So that wasn't going to float them. And then it became public knowledge because a lot of people don't know what these uh, you know, fighters' deals are with these networks, how long they last, how many years, how much money they're worth. Right. A lot of that stuff is never revealed, right? Right. Only a few, only the biggest divas, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather, Miguel Cotto, Canelo Alvarez, Manny Pacquiao. These are the guys who you knew how long their deals right. were and how much money they were worth because that was good PR for the networks. Right. Right. Um, you know, once we saw, you know, Golovkin's contract coming to an end, Canelo's contract coming to an end, it being a main talk, you know, talking point in the lead up to Canelo versus Triple G2, you saw that the writing was, was it wasn't only on the wall, but now this was the final chapter. I personally have always given Peter Nelson, um, who's the head of HBO Sports, you know, the most responsibility in this. And, yeah, I think that he was completely disingenuous. He reminds me a lot of Bruce Allen, the general manager of the Washington Redskins, <laughs> speaking in tongues, speaking in circles, just the uh, consummate politician, always letting you know at all times that he has the... He was uh, there to let you down soft, Ken. He was always there to let you know that he was the intellectual superior in the room, right? <laughs> right. But it, like you just said, letting you down softly. You know, his poems and his riddles and all of these it things. It was a lullaby, Ken, just put you to sleep. It was. It was rocking me into uh, hypnosis, and while I fell under, um, you know, the hypnotics, he slipped my throat. But the reality is, I think this now, after this thing has been called, HBO's out of the game. The reality is, I think, I don't think that Peter Nelson was so inept, and that's why boxing at HBO fell apart. I know the merger had a lot of things to do with it. And what happens a lot of times when mergers take place, especially at this, at, you know, at this executive, super high-powered, you know, millions and millions of dollars on the line level, what they do is they bring in people to transition the narrative. They bring in people, consultants, right, mm -hmm. to, bring, to, to transition from where we are to where we want to be. And they thought that the steward of this project for HBO and Time Warner's uh, you know, sort of future vision of where HBO is going to go would be best transition under the stewardship of somebody that likes boxing but also cares more about the story and the narrative. And I got to give it to them. Considering, you know, how bad HBO's been, he kind of always kept everybody hanging a little bit that HBO was just, just around the corner, just waiting for this merger to go through, and then we'll be able to transition into the new generation right. of HBO boxing. But I don't give him as much direct grief as I gave him during that entire process as this thing was declining and this thing was unfolding. I honestly and truthfully believe that he was brought in to make the transition into this new era of HBO narrative that he is going to be writing and steering. Oh, I, I, absolutely. And look, you know, 
on their way out, they 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 have their cash out fight with with Canelo yeah, Triple G two. Exactly. Now I know they got. I think they got two more fights. They got the Jacobs fight coming up with with Dariyevchenko. Well, they're not like the PBC. They honor their deals with the right. networks. They promise a decent fight. They're going to give it. And apparently, there may or may not be another Bivol fight on HBO. But yeah, Bivol going to ESPN, son. Yeah, but it, you got to think about. Uh, to me, you know, I get it. Canelo Triple G made a lot of money. All right, in this fucking rematch, and I'm sure. Everybody involved made a lot of money, even though it didn't sell as good as the first one. And the gate was smaller. They all, everybody made money. But to me, if I'm Canelo and Triple G and I'm Tom Loeffler and Golden Boy Promotions, I'm, uh, I'm a little upset because that, that rematch, that fight as a free agent fight to go to one of either ESPN or, or Dazen, the, to me, the bidding war that would have taken place, or even to NBC or Fox or wherever. There would have been a bidding war for that fight, in my opinion, had HBO not had their, their fucking claws in it. And to me, I, you know, that's an opportunity lost to make more money, in my opinion. I agree, but I think that there is a bidding war going on right now, and this gets to the second part of, you know, HBO bowing out of boxing. Right. I think the bigger story that comes out of this, because we'll miss HBO boxing, but we'll be able to watch it all. We've seen all the fights. Yeah. We'll be able to see all these fights. And it doesn't matter the platform as long as it's presented in a professional way. Guys like Jim Lampley. Jim ought to be high, ought to be picked up by somebody immediately. immediately. Yeah, immediately. ESPN, DAZN, whoever. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. But I think the biggest thing about this, there is a bidding war going on, and it's for the services of Canelo Alvarez. Now HBO is going to miss out on that, you know, that next huge payday, you know, a third fight against Golovkin possible in the next six months to a year, if that was even on the table or not. I do know for a fact that ESPN is pushing hard to get Gennady Golovkin, pushing real, real hard to get him. So where does Canelo Alvarez fall in this? He could be the free agent and say, listen, I'm fighting my next fight on DAZN. I'm fighting my next fight on ESPN. I'm fighting my next fight on Showtime pay-per-view. I can put myself out to the three highest bidders. Who is going to bid the highest for my services? And Canelo Alvarez, we know. We know this for a fact. After what happened with the the PED scandal, the lead-up to this fight, sort of the outcome and the backlash of the second fight versus Golovkin, Canelo Alvarez runs Golden Boy Promotions until further notice. (laughs) So whatever, if Canelo says, listen, I want you to put this out for bid. I went all three networks sending proposals for my next fight. This is my fucking opponent. All right. Yeah. Uh, now take bids and get us all paid the most. Apparently there's you know all kinds of players in this bidding war that are not normally players in the sport of boxing. And it wouldn't, I mean, I, I would be shocked if he signs any kind of deal with Dazen. I, I just cannot picture Canelo on that streaming platform and maybe it becomes a dozen pay-per-view at that point, which I'm sure it fucking does. Which, again, like I told people before, you're paying $10 a month. But inside of this, there will be pay-per-views at some point that you will pay more for. But with Canelo, to me, it, it, it's, you know, he can basically place himself wherever he wants. And with that victory over Triple G, it's now, hey, you want it? You're going to come to me. He's now earned that. Whether anyone likes it or not, he is he has earned that Floyd Mayweather status now. Where you want to fight Canelo, he's calling all the shots, all of them. You have you you get no bread. You you will you will bow down to the knees of the great redheaded Mexican, and you will accept what you are given. 
You are you, there. There is going to be no, you know, negotiations with this guy. So he could place himself on fucking, you know, NBC, CBS, wherever, Amazon, hey, Netflix, wherever. He, he's going to have the biggest, most lucrative deal in the sport. And if people want to fight him, they're going to have to leave whatever network they or streaming service they fight for to to get that opportunity. You know where I think Canelo Alvarez goes? And I have no insight on this, and I could be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. All right? Logically, logically, Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin both, both wind up on ESPN because of the exposure and the platform. Okay? I, I wonder, I've all, I'm wondering if Al Heyman, you know, I, I can't, you know, after all that's, that's happened between – between Golden Boy and Al Heyman, I can't imagine there's any possibility that he would ever wind up on on that product or the Fox channel. No, but Fox may bid separately outside of that PBC environment just on Canal. I mean, well, I think it's an exclusive deal though, so it would have to be under the PBC banner. That's where, right, right you know, right, right, like right. so, so Showtime has a shot, right? It wouldn't have to be under the PBC. There's opponents at Showtime for him to fight at 160 pounds. Look, but honestly. Showtime and ESPN, to me, should be the front runners in everybody's mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be surprised if we don't hear a five-fight deal, right, worth $250 million that Canelo signs with Netflix. I would not be surprised that would for be, a second. That would be fucking insane. If he gets that, that's that's outrageous what, to me. What are they paying, like, you know, the Dave Chappelle's and the big oh. comedians of the world to do like All kinds a, a of trilogy pe- of specials. All kinds of people. Netflix is just fucking, they're making it rain right now on people. So don't be surprised if somebody that's not involved that is a power player like that. And, and look, don't exclude Amazon just because, dude, they're about to be a trillion dollar company. If you ask me where I think he's going, I think Canelo's, Canelo's going, I don't know. I, I was going to say Showtime, but I, I I don't know. I feel like. They're going to stay on an established product, is, is the way I see it. ESPN. Yeah, and and ESPN is is that. You know, they're a huge. They're the they're the biggest brand in the bidding war. Well, Joe Tessitore will be excited after he gets fired from Monday Night Football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I still I can't help but say poor Joe because he's stuck in a booth with that fucking buffoon, Ricky Bobby. Yes. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> Well, then, that'll do it. Welcome back to the 216th episode. We'll be back in a couple years, you know, once they announce Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Hey, Ken, like, like any primetime fighter, you know, you become a pay-per-view star like we have become. <laughs> you only fight twice a year, right? Where's the money going from the pay-per-view? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Somebody call Don King, baby. <laughs> oh, thanks for listening to the Tale of the Tape boxing podcast here on theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Follow Vince Cummings at Vince Cummings 81. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. We'll be back with episode 217 as the last quarter of 2018 comes to a close. Ready for the last fights of the year, Vin? Yeah, so let's put a bow on this year, Ken. Yeah. We have polished the turd. <laughs> Thanks for listening <laughs> to the tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.